This morning, open up to Luke chapter 24. Father, we thank you for your word today. There's a light unto our pathway. Father, the, in your word is truth itself. We thank you, Lord, for leading us and guiding us. Holy Spirit, open your word to each heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 24 and verse 49 says, and, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So notice Jesus, one of the last things he said, he told his disciples, I'm going to send the promise of my Father, which the promise is, we see this in Acts 2, he says, the promise is unto you and to your children as many as the Lord our God shall call, many of those that are far off. He's talking about the Holy Spirit being sent to the earth. Now we know that the Holy Spirit had dealings in the earth, but no one had the Holy Spirit within them. Only he would come upon certain people to accomplish a task or a job. And then look over in Acts chapter 1. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them. Now this is Jesus after he's risen from the dead. The Bible said in verse 3 that he was seen of them for 40 days. So Jesus appeared to the disciples, did many things, and then he, he was going to go back to the Father. But being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, Lord, what will thou at this time, or will you at this time, restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power. Everyone say power. power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So he says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses both in Dickinson and in the Belfield and in all the state of North Dakota. <laughs> and so... The things that Jesus is telling the disciples is paramount in, the, in our lives today. So much so that he told them, he said, don't even leave until you go, until you be endued. That word endued means clothed upon. Just like you put a coat on this morning, there should be a, a clothing upon. Now the Bible talks about the spirit upon and the spirit within. Thank God that when we're born again, when Jesus is the Lord of our life, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside. He comes to live and make his home and abide. And guess what? He's not a spiritual hitchhiker. He's not going to just come and go and just 
you know, leave you. The Bible says, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you comfortless. You know, many people pray like that. Oh, God, come back. You know, where'd you go? You know, David said, Lord, take not away your presence from me. In Psalm 51, after he, he sinned. Why? Because when you sin and miss it, you feel like the, the Lord's left you, but he never leaves you. If he did, you'd be doomed forever. And so don't go until you receive this experience. So I want to share this morning one of the, the great doctrines of the church that, that we, we talk about, we refer to, but sometimes we don't teach as much. But it's this, the baptism in the Holy Ghost. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible talks about three different baptisms. The Bible talks about the doctrine of baptisms over in Hebrews chapter 6. And so, just to give you a little briefly, number one, there's the baptism into the body of Christ. What does that mean? That means when you're born again, the Holy Spirit baptizes, He places you in the body. How many know that there's two families on the earth today, spiritually speaking? The, 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 the kingdom of God and also the kingdom of Satan. You know, we don't like to think of it like, so a lot of people don't like to think it's that cut and dry, but it is. The Bible says that Colossians 1.13, who hath delivered us from the authority of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So there's only two families. A lot of people think about the, the brotherhood of man and the, and the eternal fatherhood of God. But not everyone is my brother. <laughs> not every person has the same God. Jesus said to these religious people, you are of your father, the devil. And, and his, the lust of your father you will do because you're not, you're not of God. Don't you know that encouraged them that day? So the Holy Spirit places you into the body of Christ. Number two, we see uh, baptism in water. Immersion into water. So a lot of people are familiar with that. But then number three, the third baptism is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that there's coming one after me, John said. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. So the Holy Spirit places us into the body. We, as ministers of the gospel, baptize people in water. But the Bible says that Jesus shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. And so as we share this this morning, we pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the Scriptures and open truth and even things that maybe you have questions about. Maybe even questions you had this week in, in revival. And also provide reasons why you and I should, as the Bible says, speak in a new tongue. Hallelujah. Look in Acts chapter 2. And as you're going to Acts chapter 2, Acts 1.8, he says that, that you should have power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. So what does that mean? Be a witness to other people. But also that our very lives would be a witness. Why is that? Because the Bible talks in, in the book of John, there's 
read the book, the gospel account of John, and there's so many different things that the Bible says give witness. People that gave witness. Miracles that gave witness. So our lives as believers should give witness to the resurrected Christ. And, of course, to minister that to the other people. But look in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, now a lot of people, they wait and preach these messages once a year, you know, on Pentecost Sunday, but every day is Pentecost for us. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. You know, the same things happens today. <laughs> the, the, uh, the margin of my Bible says they were troubled in mind. Who's ever been troubled in mind? You know, they... It's like we'll see here in just a few moments. What meaneth this? And it says they were confounded because they heard every man speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea, Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Pergia and Pamphylia and Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Anytime that, that now there's different elements of speaking in other tongues, but anytime you're doing it, it's always going to magnify God. It's always going to magnify Him. There's not, tongues is not something you do against the enemy. Years ago they had, and these things resurface all the time, what people call warring tongues. We're going to war against the devil and we're going to scream at the devil in other tongues. Number one, he doesn't even know what you're saying. Number two, you're just wearing your out, yourself out and you're just doing stuff in the flesh. Tongues is, is a means of worship to God. And it says, they were all amazed and were doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them. Now, this is a totally different Peter than it was some weeks ago. Who denied Jesus three times. He stands up and says, you men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose. Seeing it is but the third hour of the day. What's he saying? It's only 9 a.m. They're not, it's too early to get drunk. Now, you know, people that really drink. That's about when they get started. You know, it's just a continuation. How many have known people? You know, they, that, it's just 9 o'clock. They're getting ready for prime for the new day. He says, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. What is that? This noise, this thing that's been noise abroad, this drinking, this, they're rocking in the reel, in reeling in the streets of Jerusalem. If this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, 
and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out of those in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. So as we begin to talk about the power, you know, many times we talk about the power of God. Thank God for the power of God. We talk about the presence of God. Thank God for the presence of God that's in us and among us. But one of the things we have to always remember is the person of the Holy Spirit. How many know that the Holy Spirit is not electricity? He's not a feeling. He's not a goose bump. He's not a, a hot flash or a cold flash. But his presence evokes certain things in us. Amen. It, you know, you can get a hold of the power of God and it feels like electricity. It, it feels like, you know, we have many different emblems of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. Wind, fire. The Bible talks about vapor or smoke. So there's many different things that we associate with him, but he is not that thing. You know, people think, they don't think about the person of the Holy Spirit. They say, oh, I felt the power of God. Did you feel it? Yes, I felt him, the power of the Holy Ghost. So one of the things we always remind ourselves is that he is a person. Jesus said this in John 16, if you want to just jot this down. John 16, verse 13. Jesus forever answered this about the, the person of the Holy Spirit. 16, 13 says, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, has come. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. So Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as he. As a person. Not a force. Not a power. How many know you can't, you can't associate with, just say, electricity? Now you can get shocked. I mean, thankfully, I've only been hit by an electric fence a couple of times. I mean, that stings, though. I've never got a hold of a live wire. Don't intend on doing that. Never put a screwdriver in the light socket. Don't intend on doing that. <laughs> but you get a hold of something. You get a hold of a power. You can't fellowship with it, but you can be impacted by it. But the Holy Ghost is a person. So God's plan in the New Testament today is that every person on earth be born again, without a doubt. God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But then, once you're born again, is, is that the end? Is that, you know, go, well, God, God saved me, and I was a, a rascal, but uh, now I'm saved and, and sanctified? No, the Bible says that there's an experience after this called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We use it many times in, in, in Bible terms, subsequent to salvation. Something that comes after salvation is being filled with the Holy Ghost. And every believer should be filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Brother Hagen had a book um, years ago called Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. 
Get a hold of that book. It'll, it'll change your life. But one of the things in there, Jesus, the head of the church, appeared to him in 1987. And I, I got to some six years later being uh, his Bible school. But the Lord appeared to him, and what he was talking about was worship. How there, there should be a, well, he was talking about having the plan of God, doing it for the right purpose, and then pursuing it. And so he's talking a lot about um, worship in that book. And he was talking about clapping, and he was talking about one of the things, and a lot of people got upset about that in charismatic circles because one of the things he said was, clapping is neither praise nor worship. It's applause. That's why we don't just clap. That's why we don't just give a clap offering for the Lord. We give, we raise our hands without wrath and doubting. Amen. I'm not into getting off on that. But suffice it to say, in that book, he said what, one of the last chapters, he said, what did the Lord talk to you mostly about? He said, the Lord emphasized this more than anything, that my plan under the new covenant is for every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what he emphasized in there. And of course, what he did is he talked about what true New Testament worship is. How many know the Bible says in John 4, 24, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So what is God looking for? He's looking for true worshipers. That's what I want to be. I want to be a true, who wants to be a true worshiper? Not just one that's in the flesh, not that's just one that's out of tradition, but one that's in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. And so, one of the things that we have to understand, it's amazing how, like, I remember when I was in Bible school, I just happened to turn on the radio. Pastor Willie George was on there. And, uh, was that, Church on the Move. And so he, uh, great curriculum he has for kids' church. I think it was the only time I heard him in those two years. I just turned it on. And uh, he said this, and it stuck with me 30 years later. <laughs> he said, the thing we have to understand in the New Testament is the same way that you get filled is the same way you stay filled. And it's by this, speaking. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak. So the same way you get filled with the Spirit is the same way you stay filled, by speaking. Everyone say speaking. speaking. What, what does the Bible say in Ephesians 5? We're, we'll get over there in a minute. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So the spirit-filled life is not just rolling, shaking on the floor. Thank God for that. But be, the, the spirit-filled life starts with speaking. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled. Now, many of you may have heard Pastor Debbie say this, and maybe it didn't register with you. When she said, talked about being drunk in the spirit. Who heard her say that? She talked about being chug-a-lugging drunk. Some people, they think, what in the world? Betty, what does that mean? But... Paul even likens it to being drunk on wine. What does that mean? That just means that you're, you're more conscious of his presence, that you're filled. It's like when you go to, um, what do they call liquor stores? What do you see on the side of the building sometimes? Wine and spirits. 
how true it is. <laughs> Why? Because when you partake of something, whatever you drink of, you, you become partaker of. See, that's why it's, it's not just because you can pat yourself on the back and say goody, goody or anything like that. But when you, when you come under the influence of alcohol, you come under the influence of spirits. <clears throat> and so we want to be under the control of the Holy Spirit, being led by him. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. And here's the, here's the awesome thing. We don't have to be under the influence of any other thing. We can be under the influence of the Holy Ghost to where we can drink of him. And, and you know, I mean, many people could even testify here today that, that I used to, but now I drink of a new wine. But you know, in church, you have to emphasize that and you have to like reiterate that you're talking about the new wine of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> man, we went down to that church and uh, man, we moving right along. <clears throat> so the Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit. And let me say this, being filled with the Spirit affects every area of your life. So that's why he tells us to be filled to stay filled and continually be being filled. I, I love the way that the, the Greek actually has a play on words. When it says be filled with the Spirit, the Greek actually denotes continuous action. But be being filled. Amen. I'm not just going to be filled. I'm going to be being filled. Be being filled. Speaking to yourselves. Hallelujah. So I want to share for the rest of this morning... Ten reasons why we should speak in other tongues. Ten reasons why. Number one is the initial sign. The reason we should speak in tongues is the initial sign of being filled with the Spirit is what we call the language of heaven, being baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. The Bible tells us this in Mark 16, verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Who is a believer? Then there should be signs that follow us. I don't follow signs. Signs follow me. Here's one of the signs. They shall speak with new tongues. You know, it also says they shall cast out devils. A lot of churches cast out tongues and, and speak with devils. But we, we cast out devils and speak with tongues. Amen. Why? They say, hey, we can't have, we can't have that in here. But they'll, they'll speak with devils. So these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall speak with new tongues. So that should be a sign in our life. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 10, verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. How did they know that these people had been filled? This is right after we was talking about Cornelius. How did they know they'd been filled? The same way that we know that someone's been filled today. You know, you can ask somebody, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I think so. Do you speak with tongues? Um, no. The Bible evidence is that when we're filled, we begin to speak with other tongues. So that's why we should... Speaking tongues, it's the, the very first sign. Now, there's other signs that happen. There's other things that, that come in, into being 
But that's the number one thing. Hallelujah. Number two, a second reason why we should speak in tongues. For spiritual edification. To me, this is one of the greatest things. Amen. Do you know that, let me say it like this. Do you know that most of the speaking in tongues that you would ever do is for you personally? It's not for someone else. It's not so you can have a platform. It's not so you can be on Facebook and people see what I did. You know, it's not just so I can look, look at me. Most of tongues is what we would call devotional. In fact, I'll just tell you that there's three aspects to tongues. Number one is devotional. Number two is the ministry gift. Or, or number two is the public side. And number three is the ministry gift. And we're not going to teach on that, but... Number one, the devotional side. What does that mean? I can pray in my own prayer language anytime I want to to build myself up. Do you know there's been people who've been filled with the Holy Ghost and they haven't spoken tongues for 40 years? Because they, they wanted the, the Holy Ghost just to take hold. They thought the Holy Ghost was going to just grab their tongue and just, you know, just you know, pull it out and you know, make them speak or do something they didn't want to do. But you choose to speak. Paul says this. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. My understanding is unfruitful. He said, what is it then? I will sing with the spirit. I will sing with understanding. So, so Maui, you could, you could just say, I'm going to pray in English, couldn't you? Or whatever your, your language is you were born to speak. Multiple languages. <laughs> you could do that. Well, just the same as you can say, I'm going to pray in English. I can say I'm going to pray in tongues. Why? Because that in itself, it is a gift, but it's not. That's your prayer language, not a gift of the Spirit that is dependent upon as the Spirit wills. Well, I'm just going to wait for the Holy Ghost to fall on me, then I'll speak. No, you can speak in tongues whenever you want to, if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? So that's the. That's the primary is the devotional gift. Then we have the ministry side, which is what we call tongues and interpretation. That's, a, that's a, the, the public side of tongues. But then there's also the ministry gift. The ministry gift is when you read 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, do all speak with tongues. When it says, you know, it says, are all apostles, are all prophets, do all speak with tongues. A lot of people read that and they say, well, Obviously, no, you don't have to. But what he's talking about in that passage is those that are used of God in the ministry gift of tongues and interpretation. I could, I could, I could think of several couples, even Mark and Trina Hakins. Now, they, they operate in that realm. The good ones, uh, Brother Hakins' um, son-in-law and daughter, they, they operated that way. What? They would go back and forth in minister. I'll give you an example real quick. This one minister from Texas, his name was um, Pastor J.R. Goodwin. And Brother Goodwin, he went home to be with the Lord, I think, about 1979. But he, he was used, his church, he taught his church much about the gifts of the Spirit. And they had uh, manifestations of the Spirit all the time. In fact, many times they, were like, they, were, they did things decently in order and someone would raise their hand. And if the minister didn't want to recognize them, then he didn't. And they didn't feel offended about it. But there was a guy that was in his church ministering. And he knew by word of knowledge 
what was wrong with them. But he also knew by the Holy Ghost, he could see after the service, because he, he knew some of this, not just by word of knowledge, but he knew some of it just in the natural. Just like if you told me something. That's why he said a lot of times he didn't want to know things ahead of time because it could hinder what the Holy Spirit was saying. Not that he can't. So as he's ministering, he saw this couple leaving and saying, well, yeah, yeah, but brother so-and-so knew what my case already. So he could tell that the enemy was going to try to trip them up because that minister already knew some of their situation. So he said, have brother Goodwin come up and minister to him. So sister Goodwin comes up, speaks in tongues, he interprets. And they go back three or four times like that. And to a T, painted their whole situation and told them exactly what to do to get out of it. How many know that's supernatural? So that's what the, the, the ministry gift of tongues is. And thank God for that today. Hallelujah. So number two, we said tongues for spiritual edification. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In verse 4, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. Now that word edify means to build up. In our current vernacular, there would be a better way of maybe saying it like this. He charges himself up like a battery. Who's ever charged up their vehicle with a battery? You know, that's... I remember we used to do that with a boat of ours and, and, you know, it would sit there for a while and then you get that thing and you're ready to take it out and it's just like the needle's just barely above zero down there or whatever the, the amperage is. Well, you, you get that thing and you get it charged up. You know, how many know that your spirit man can, can that needle can be a little lower than it should be? You just kind of feel draggy and you just feel like, you know, just like like this and what do you do? You begin to not only feed your spirit on the Word of God, put yourself on a good diet of the Word, but you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Charge yourself up. So he that speaks in an own tongue charges himself up like a battery. Look in verse 2. He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. That's why I said even the enemy doesn't even know what you're saying. For no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Hallelujah. One translation says this, he talks of divine secrets. That's, that's why it's so important we pray in the Spirit, because there's many things that we need to communicate with God that, that we don't even know how to pray in our own understanding. We don't know everything we need to pray about. That's what he's talking about in Romans chapter 8 when he says that, talks about he helps our infirmities. You know, one of the greatest infirmities we have, he's not talking about sickness, he's talking about weakness. One of the greatest weaknesses we have is we don't know what to pray for as we ought. I don't know everything I need to pray about. I'm not even aware of everything I need to pray about. That's why I depend upon the Holy Spirit to help me. You know, you begin to pray and pray out mysteries. So God has given us a divine means of communication with himself. Now look over in verse 14 of the same chapter. 
He says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. Else when you shall bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen in thy giving of thanks? Seeing he understands not what you say. For you truly give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Now, when you read the Corinthians, they spent an enormous amount of time praying in tongues. Everything, every time, and that's why Paul had to give instruction. Because every time they came together, they just wanted to speak in tongues. You know, it didn't matter if it's during a time of prayer. Of his time of worship, time of whatever. The minister speaking, they just want to pray in tongues. They just want to give a word. And that, that's why he had to give them um, direction. And told them, you know, when the right time was. But he says here, the Amplified says this in verse 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, he says, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. So when you're praying in tongues, that's not out of your head, is it? It's out of your spirit. It's, it's a divine means. You know, I've heard any number of testimonies of people who have had paralysis. People that could not talk. They couldn't, their vocal cords did not work. And they go to pray for them, and, and these people were filled with the Holy Ghost. Even people that, that had things that were, you know, let me say it like this. The brain is just the, your, your brain is not your mind. If, if you, whenever you die and your body's in the ground, you'll still have your mind. You just can't, without your brain functioning, you know, maybe people have had strokes or whatever. What happens is you're just not able to connect in this natural realm. But I've heard more than one testimony where people go and they, they can't speak, but then they're filled with the Holy Ghost and they're sitting there praying in tongues. In the bed. Why? Because that's coming out of your spirit. It doesn't register on your mind. That's why he says my understanding is unfruitful. But my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. So this is something that you should do on a daily basis to edify yourself, to charge yourself up. Why? Because if you're not built up, you're not going to build other people up. Number three, and we'll see how many we get through. Number three, tongues reminds us of the Spirit's indwelling presence. It reminds us. You know, even if you just pray in English, don't you sense the presence of God? You're made aware that He's on the inside of you. John 14, verse 16 and 17 says this, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, and he dwells with you and shall be in you. Hallelujah. There was a story about this one girl, young, young girl, and her, I think her dad was a pastor. She was like 12 years old, and she um, had an evangelist come in, and as they're ministering, you know, during that week, uh, the pastor, the dad, and the evangelist was there, and, and the little girl, she lost her temper, said some things, and she, of course, she was embarrassed. 
And he said, um, he said, honey, are you um, filled with the, aren't you born again? Yeah. And filled with the Spirit? He said, I'm going to give you a secret. He said, just begin every day to, to pray and worship God in other tongues. And you'll never lose your temper again. And, you know, later on she said, she said, I, I did just what you said all these years. I've just began to, to pray and sing and worship God in other tongues, and I've never lost my temper again. How many of us have lost our temper? Don't raise your hand. How many of us <laughs> have done things or said things? You know, many times just out of Who's ever been exasperated just in life and you're just frustrated? You know, many times it's because we're just not conscious of his presence. You know, I'm just reminded, I have that same teaching I was talking about, plans, purposes, and pursuits. Brother Hagan was talking about how in the early days when they had um, a move of God in the church he pastored, there'd be a time where there'd be a silence for 45 minutes. Now, you know, God forbid in church now you have any silence because, you know, people have to make noise. And, and, and you know, being quiet is just a hard thing to do. It's hard on the flesh. But he was just talking about how he said that presence would go with you for months. When you're just conscious of his presence, it changes things. When you're conscious of his presence, you're not going to get so worked up about things. You're not going to get so frustrated about things. <clears throat> Howard Carter, who wrote, he wrote a book on spiritual gifts, he said this. We must not forget that speaking with other tongues is not only the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit's indwelling, which we talked about, but is a continual experience for the rest of one's life. Why? To assist us in the worship of God, speaking in tongues is a flowing stream which should never dry up and in, it will enrich the life spiritually. So what is speaking with tongues? The Bible says over in the book of Psalms, somewhere around 46, he says, there is a river, the streams whereof make glad. The city of our God. So there should be a flowing stream that will never dry up. Amen. There should never be a time where you, anyone in this church says, well, you know, I'm just so dry. I'm just so, I'm dried up like a, a California raisin. You know, just build yourself up. It'll enrich the life spiritually. Stay conscious of his presence. And why? Because it's going to affect the way you live. Number four. Praying in tongues is praying in line with God's perfect will. See, this, this does away with a lot, what a lot of people think that, well, you know, that praying in tongues is gibberish. It's just nonsensical talk. It's a language of heaven. It's me talking to my father. Now, you know, you can, you can speak in tongues in a normal way too. I mean, sometimes the only way some people will speak in tongues is at 90 miles an hour. But, you know, you can just to come, but you know it is a language you know you are talking to someone I mean some people I mean I, there's times where you know the Bible talks about praying and groanings which cannot be uttered in articulate speech well how many know when you're groaning you're not real pronouncing your words to someone that could hear you maybe you're just like but that's something the Holy Spirit does it's not just something that you you know just groan in the flesh but it is a language I am talking to someone. And praying in tongues is praying in line with God's perfect will. Turn over to Romans chapter 8 that we mentioned, verse 26. Anyone getting anything today? 
Amen. This is a far cry that, that tongue ceased when the last apostle died. That's not true because there's apostles today too. Romans 8, chapter, verse 26. He says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. And as we said, another word for that is weak, weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself, or Himself, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints. Now notice that even here he says, the mind of the Spirit. If you're just a force, then you don't have a mind. But the mind of the Spirit, he's a person. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and them who are the called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. No one got excited about that verse. I'm going to read that last one again. And we know that all things work together for good to a very specific group, to them that love God, to them who are the called. So if you love God and you're called, then all things are working together for your good today. Amen. Hallelujah. So notice this is actually spirit-directed praying. Why is this important? Because it's important because it also eliminates the possibility of selfishness from our prayers. Lord, bless me, us four, no more. Lord, my name is Jimmy. I'll take all you can give me. I mean, that's the way a lot of people's prayers. <laughs> and so, whenever we pray, we, we can understand that I'm praying according to the perfect will of God. Then it's going to be according to what He gives me to pray. It's going to be God's words. It's going to be no selfishness in my prayers. Amen. Number five, and I believe we'll get through these. Praying in tongues stimulates our faith. T praying in tongues stimulates our faith. Jude 20 tells us this, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So, you know, one thing that we have to remember, you know, even if you've spoken in tongues for years, do you know that it's still by faith that you do it? You still have to trust God to speak the words. We, we get so used to it, we just, okay, pray in tongues. So I'm, you know, just boom, 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 you just go. And you can pray in tongues. But you're still exercising faith because you're trusting God to give you every word. So if you can trust God in that area, you can trust God in other areas. And, you know, I've, I've heard testimonies of people, like this woman in particular, she had been believing God for healing for many years and uh, she never received, but she got filled with the Holy Ghost and received her healing immediately. Why? Not because, you know, you being filled with the Holy Ghost provides a way just for you to be healed, but you learn how to trust God. So if you can trust God in one area, you can trust Him in another area. Thank you, Lord. So it stimulates our faith. You know, that's what it, it doesn't give us faith. It just builds us up on the faith we already have. So, you know, I remember being in Bible school. Maybe, Vaughn, you can say the same thing. You know, you, you get in there and you get word, word, word. And you're just like, boom, 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 boom. 
and you feel like, man, I'm going to blow up. I got to go, I got to go pray now, you know? And so that, that's, that's one way you exercise your spirit because you've been building your spirit up. Now I got to go exercise my spirit. And as you begin to pray, pray out mysteries, then you're, you're, you're stimulating the faith that you already have. Number six, speaking in other tongues is a means of keeping free from worldly contamination. I, I like what I heard one person say. Uh, um, you know, a, a fly never lands on a hot plate. It never stays on a hot plate. You know, when you cook, it's like if you cook a frog, you have to turn, you know, turn the, the water up gradually. He's not just going to be in there. And then all of a sudden he realizes he's like cooked his goose, you know. <clears throat> but when it comes to a fly, what are they not going to do? When it comes to like a hot griddle or something, they're gone. Well, the Bible talks about that Satan is the Lord of the flies. Beelzebub, Lord of the flies. I never, whoever had to read that book in school, Lord of the flies. I don't remember one thing about it. It didn't make any sense at all. But when you think about what it means, I mean, how could it? <laughs> but that's what Satan is, the Lord of the flies, Lord of the dunghill. And so the presence of God is never going to land. The presence of God is never going to land on you when you're on fire. Can you say amen? If I'm on fire for God, he's not going to come land on me. So as I'm, as I'm fervent in the, the Bible says in Romans 12, 11, but be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. As I'm fervent in spirit, as I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, and not just a little Shabbat Shabbat, but just, I mean, you give yourself to praying in the Holy Ghost in more than five minutes. What's going to happen? You're going to be building yourself up. You're going to, it's a way of keeping yourself free from contamination. You know, you might be, and I'm not saying you do this out loud, but, you know, if you're at the barbershop, if you're somewhere on your job, you can just pray silently to yourself. I mean, you don't have to get in front of somebody's face. You know, you'll, you'll scare them and you better get them saved. But you can just, you know, just talking to yourself. Why? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, 28. But if there be no interpreter... Let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Do you know you can speak to yourself? Ephesians 5 says it. So speak to yourself. It's a way of being conscious of his presence and just keeping your mind on him. And at the same time, you're building yourself up. Hallelujah. Number seven. Praying in tongues enables us to pray for the unknown. What an awesome thing that we can pray for the unknown. See, it, it allows us to pray for things we don't even know about or not even aware of. I know Brother Hagin also tells this story about his, his younger brother named Dub. He said Dub was the black sheep of the family. Anything that you can mention, he did it. <laughs> I mean, he was six. He was seventeen years old. He was six foot four. He said he he beat four grown men. That's just the way he was, you know. And um, he he always had like a chip on his shoulder. Why? Because their their father had left them at, at six when Brother Hagen was six years old, and they vowed that they were going to kill their father. 
But he said, if I wouldn't have got saved, we would have killed him. That's just the way it was, you know, because they had the broken home, four kids. His mother, uh, because of the stress, she lost her eyesight. Nothing physically wrong, but just because of all the stress, she went blind. So he said, thank God we got saved. But in the process of time, he said that he was out on the field and he was awakened in the night. Who's ever felt wakened by the Holy Spirit? You just feel, Lord, I got to pray about something. So be sensitive to that. He said that he, he prayed about and prayed in tongues. He said this doesn't happen often, but he had a vision. And he saw his brother in a hotel in Louisiana. And he saw him take sick in the night. They used to say it like that, take sick. And he said he, he saw him take sick in the night, went to the hospital, and then they, they pronounced, they put a sheet over him. And he goes up and says, he's alive. He said, he said, what do you mean? He said, the Lord Jesus told me. He said, oh, you're one of those nuts. And um, he said, I pronounced enough people dead to know when someone's dead. So they go over there and they pull the sheet back and he opens his eyes. He said, and then he had like a little dumbfounded look. And he said, oh, you knew something I didn't know. Well, he wakes up. He knew that what he had prayed about, he had the answer for. So do you understand? That's why we always say when you have a burden to pray, pray until you have a note of victory. Pray till you know that you have a lightness, an easiness in your spirit. You know that you have the answer. So in the process of time, he had been on the road with his travel trailer and they go back to Texas. His brother shows up like 20 minutes later. Of course, that's the day before cell phones, and they just happened to show up. He said, I almost died while you were gone. He said, yeah, let me tell you what happened. You took sick in the night and you were in, in Louisiana and you did this. He said, that's exactly what happened. So what does that mean? Praying in tongues gives us the opportunity to pray for things we would not even know about. How would, we have even, how would he have known about his brother? Only by the Holy Ghost. And I can give you many instances along this line. <clears throat> So number seven, praying in tongues enables us to pray for the unknown. Number eight, praying in tongues gives spiritual refreshing. Everyone say refreshing. How do I spell relief? R-E-V-I-V-A-L in praying in tongues. So praying in tongues gives spiritual refreshing. Isaiah chapter 28, I'll give you this. I tell you, when you really understand the benefits of praying in tongues, it's not just, like I said, it's not just a gibberish or it's not just something that those Pentecostal folk do. It's every believer can pray in tongues. Isaiah 28 verse 11 and 12. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. Who's weary today? How can they get out of being weary by speaking in other tongues? This is the refreshing. What is the refreshing? Praying in other tongues. Yet they would not hear. So God has given us something, but people today, oh, I've already, yeah, I've heard that. But you know, just because you've heard something doesn't mean you're doing it. So 
What is the, re- re- the rest? What is the refreshing? What is the, the, the rest? Speaking in other tongues. Do you know that speaking in other tongues, and actually even prayer in English, it shouldn't wear you out? You know, you see people that are worn out after they pray. They're not doing it right. Amen. I shouldn't be like exhausted after I pray. It should refresh me. That tells me if I'm doing it in the anointing or not. Well, you know, man, I just, what's wrong with you? What happened? Oh, I went to prayer meeting. (laughs) Now, I understand, like our pastor, they have 12-hour prayer meetings. But even that, you should still be refreshed. Just crawl under there like the kids do and just take a nap if you need to. And this is the refreshing. Brother Ingalls has a song. This is the refreshing, praying in the Spirit. (laughs) Number nine, and we're going to get the rest of these. There's only two left. Number nine, tongues for giving thanks. Why do I pray in tongues? It's a way that I can give thanks. Look back over in 1 Corinthians 14 we read just a few moments ago. Verse 17, he says this. For you truly give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So when you give thanks in other tongues, you're giving thanks well. He says you're doing a good job at it. For instance, what if I came over to your house for Thanksgiving? I said, go ahead, Rosemary, you, you, you say the prayer. And, and she, all she did was just pray in tongues. Well, not everyone would be edified. She would be. Why? Because how do I know what she's saying? Now, I know if she's praying in tongues that it's going to be by the Spirit. You can't truly pray in tongues apart from the Spirit. And so we we would know that it'd be right. But I can't just say amen because I don't understand what she says. That's why Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than all of you. Yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words you know, in, in, I'd rather speak in my own language than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Why? Because you're not going to be edified. What if Paul just preached his old message in tongues? They wouldn't be edified. Why? Because they didn't, their mind would not be edified what he said. <clears throat> and so tongues for giving thanks. So I can pray in tongues. I can give thanks in tongues. And so that's what you should do. Paul ended all his prayers by giving thanks. And so at the end of your praying, just begin to, to thank God. Father, I just thank you so much that you answered our prayer. And I thank you. Lord, you're so good to me. Oh, so You don't have to go on for hours. Just, just begin to speak. Hallelujah. And then number 10, and, and don't miss this one. Speaking in tongues brings the tongue under subjection. It brings the tongue into subjection. <clears throat> Look over in James chapter 3. James chapter 3. In verse 5. Uh, let's look in verse 4. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. 
Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body. And sets on fire the course of nature. And is set on fire of hell. Verse 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God even the Father. And therewith curse we men. Which are made out of the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Then he talks about, doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? And so he talks about having envy and strife in your hearts. How that's called devilish wisdom. For where envy and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. So speaking in tongues brings the tongue under subjection. Why is this so important? James says this. If you can control your tongue, you're a perfect man, a mature man. And he says this, he says, no man can tame the tongue. But I want you to understand, he's in context, what he's saying is this. You can tame all these other things, but you can't tame another person's tongue. But you can tame your own. Otherwise, we're just hopeless. You know, it's just like, oh God, what's the use? You can Say this, by the help of the Holy Ghost, I can tame my own tongue. What does that mean? I make it do what it's supposed to. I control it. I control with my words. Because that's what he's saying. He said, I'm going to bless God, but then I'm going to curse people. He said, this, this ought not so to be. So, yielding the tongue to the Holy Spirit to speak with other tongues, because that's what you're doing. You get so used to it, but you don't, you don't realize I'm, I'm yielding to the Spirit. How do I yield to the Spirit? I act on the promptings I have. That's what yielding actually means, to act on the promptings. I have a, 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 a prompting to raise my hands and, and say hallelujah. Then I yield to that. I have a prompting to, to give that person $20. Then I go yield to that. I have a prompting. Don't, don't get quiet on that one. I have a prompting to, to pray in, Holy, in the Holy Ghost. Then I yield to that. So as I yield to the, my tongue to the Holy Spirit to speak with other tongues, it's a giant step toward yielding all of my members to God. Why? Because if, if I can control my tongue, the Bible says it. Now, it may not, maybe it doesn't seem like it in your life, but the Bible said it. Jesus said it. The Bible said it. And if I can yield my member toward Him, I, the Bible says I can turn my whole body. What if you're going the wrong direction? That big ship, you can't just turn it on a dime, but you begin to turn it, and it's going to start turning. How do I turn my body? I, Pastor, I have something in my body I don't like. I have this disease. I have this um, habit. I have this here. I can control my whole body with my tongue. But do we really believe that? I can control my whole body with my tongue. So I'm going to turn my whole thing. I'm going, you know, it makes no difference just to cry going down the road. I'm going the wrong way. I'm going the wrong way. Just turn it around. Turn it around. I don't want to go this way. I don't want to go this way. Well, turn it around. Put, put something on, change the tongue. Amen. Change what's on your mouth. And what's going to happen? It's, it's one way I'm going to yield all my members to God. So if I can yield this most unruly member, 
I can yield any member. So here, here's the thing, you know, if you don't know what to say, you can always say hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know, like, you ever notice this? If a conversation just lulls, most of the time with people are nervous, they just say the wrong, they end up saying the wrong thing. Amen, I've, I've done that. You know, you just, you're just nervous and you just talk, you know, and just like, you start sweating and you're talking. It's like, hush. But you know, when the conversation lulls, you don't know what to say, you can always just say, well, praise the Lord. But you can always just pray in the Holy Ghost too. Can you say amen? And what happens is you begin to yield it, your tongue in praising God. It'll help you curb all the areas. It'll help you in every area to turn your whole body. Amen. Hallelujah. Who learned anything about praying in tongues? Amen. I want to be like Paul. I mean, Paul was from the South. He said, I pray in tongues more than you all. So <laughs> he, um, <laughs> thanks, Miss Sharon, you got that. <clears throat> but he said, I, I pray in tongues more than you all. So Paul, a man of great faith, a man of great um, wisdom, and a man of great experience with the Lord, he, he, he woke up praying in tongues. He went to bed praying in tongues. He, he prayed in tongues between meals. He, he, he prayed in tongues when he took a nap. I mean, he prayed an enormous amount in other tongues. And, of course, we see the fruit of that. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the, the privilege, Lord, of being in your kingdom Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of praying in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, that as we pray, Lord, we can pray the perfect will of God. And, Lord, we need the, the perfect will of God in our lives every day. So we just thank you, Lord, that you would establish these truths on the inside of us to, to, to stand in the place that you've called us to be. And we thank you for it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this place and you know, even as the Lord had ministered to us this morning about praying and, and, and praying in tongues. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor, as you talk about prayer, I, I don't even know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but today I want to make a decision. I want to know Jesus as my Lord. Or secondly, if you say, I, I once knew the Lord, but I walked away from him and I'm not walking where I should. You know, many times that can happen. People can just not be walking in the fellowship they should be. Maybe that they once knew. So if you're in that, in that condition and you say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life or I want to come back to him with no one looking around, just raise your hand up, slip your hand up, say, please pray for me. We want to pray with you and pray for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you're in this place and, you, and that was you and you raised your hand, we want to do just what we said. We want to pray with you and for you. I would just ask you to just come up to the front just for a moment. We want to pray with you. We want to agree with you in the name of Jesus. You know, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible promises the believer that he'll satisfy us with long life. 
But if you're not a believer, you have no promise. No promise. Amen. I want us to make this declaration and, and say this from our hearts, believing in our heart and saying with our mouth. Say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Father, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead for me. So I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Let me never be the same. I turn my back on the world and I follow you, Lord Jesus. Today, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you prayed that for the first time, the Bible says that you are in Christ. You're a new creation in him. And you know, you can get to heaven without being healed. You can. You can, you can be ravaged with sickness. You can go to heaven without speaking in other tongues. But you can't go to heaven without being born again. Amen. So being born again is the most important thing. Not, not a, a certain pet doctrine someone has. Not how many angels can dance on the, the eye of a needle. I mean, you hear all those kind of things in Bible school, you know. <laughs> amen. Let, the, let the, the main truth be the main truth. <laughs> can you say amen? Hallelujah. Well, we love you. It's going to be a great week this week. Amen. How many know we have Wednesday night services? We have an awesome time. It's my favorite, one of my favorite things of the week. And we have a great time just to share the word. You know, when you share the word of God, even as we did this morning, it's called breaking bread. And you know, you know when it's multiplied is when it's broken. You know, it's kind of like a hand warmer. It doesn't get anything good. You don't have to, it's not going to do you any good. Just, you know, who's ever used a hand warmer? You're not just going to take that, that hand warmer that's inside the bag and just put it, just put it on your hands. It's just like, oh, isn't this nice? You have to break it. And I've never used them. I've just read what it says on the package, so. <laughs> but you have to break it for it to, to generate the heat. You have to open the word for it to feed you. You had to break it. Amen. As you break the word daily. And I think that's one thing that we, we have to realize, especially in these last days, is how many remember Jesus, one of the most unpopular messages he had? He said, uh, you have to eat of my, my flesh and drink of my blood. It said he lost most of his disciples that day. But, you know, it's a doctrine that we still have to follow today. That I daily have to feed on the life of Jesus. I have to feed on his word and I have to fellowship with him daily. Otherwise, what happens? I get weak and emaciated. Amen. But just always be doing something, just like people say, just do something simple every day physically, you know, just to, to stay in good shape and working condition. You know, I think of it like this. You know, I'm not going to be 
Charles Atlas, but I'm going to stay in shape just for longevity. How many know that we need to have our bodies in, in working order? You lose your body, you lose your right to be on the surface of the earth. How many know there's no spirits from the 1700, I'm not talking about like familiar spirits and, and devils, but there's nobody here on the earth from the 1700s. Well, guess who I saw? You know, I saw so-and-so from the Revolutionary War. No, you didn't. You know, there's no one here on the surface. Once you lose your body, you have no right to be on the surface. So believe God to keep your body, that you'll be strong all the days of your life. Amen. Healed, healthy, and then when we're, when we're ready and ready to go, then we'll just lay our body down. But until then, the enemy's not going to kick me out of my body. We're going to run our full race. Everyone say my full race. Hallelujah. So that means if, if God needs to quicken my body, if I need a zap, then he'll just zap it. Amen. I've had a zap the last day or two. And so, you know, it's good to, we used to sing a song, it's so good being healed. It's so good being healed. I don't know why people would fight against it. I'm not going to fight against it. I'm just going to enjoy it. Hallelujah. Well, stand to your feet this morning. We'll let you go. We put a lot of reasons in there pretty quickly today, so. Thank you, Lord. Just raise your hands to the Lord. Father, we're so grateful today for your presence. Father, we thank you for your people today. I pray for every person in this place. Lord, I pray that you would bless them this week. Lord, with supernatural favor, supernatural health, and healing. Lord, anything that has tried to, to come against their body and their mind, we come against it in Jesus' name. Command to go. And Father, we just speak heaven's blessing upon them. Thank you, Lord, that today and the rest of this week shall be one of wisdom and direction. Lord, that we'll walk in the perfect plan of God for our lives. In the name of Jesus, we declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.